Could not be more pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast, Matt Damon. Are you one of those Patriot fans that takes Lee in the Jets and the butt fumbling? Scene? I made the Liberace movie this year, so that's fine. <laughs> There's some butt fumbling in that movie, too. Just a wee little bit. <laughs> Larry David, good to see you, sir. I think a lot of writers can be offensive coordinators. What's harder? If I could write stories, why would I be able to draw up a play? He is none other than Broadway, Joe Namath. If Mark were to get the nod, and if he played decently, if, uh, if, what a big word for only two letters, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Cannavale. I told you my Derek Jeter story. I had Yankees, Atlanta, for the World Series. Screaming, screaming, screaming. Nothing, nothing, nothing. He doesn't even look at me. Finally, last at bat, eighth <laughs> inning, yeah. Jeter comes up. Derek! Just turn around, man! Just turn around! <laughs> Finally, he like dumb. He does the thing with the weight. He's about to go up. He turns around. He looks at me. He goes, "Bro, I hear you." <laughs> Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Hey everybody, it's time for another edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. We are halfway through the 2013 regular season. Now we have hit double digits in the number of weeks into the 2013 season that we are week number 10 after a week 9 that easily had to be one of the more bizarre, uh, frequently disturbing weeks that uh, I've covered in the now 10 years of doing this gig uh, on NFL Network. Congratulations, Rich. Oh, thank you, Chris Brockman. Yeah, big time congrats. The 10th anniversary went down on Monday. Can you believe that? Uh, 10 years since we turned the lights on. We're now in our second decade of existence here. Wow. At NFL Network. Saw some of those uh, photos you tweeted out, too. They were pretty good. I've got tons of them. I, got, I have lots of them. But, I mean, talk about the week. It began in Miami with NFL Network at my, in Miami. Geno Atkins goes down for the Cincinnati Bengals, perhaps the best defensive tackle in the game, um, goes down with an ACL. He's done for the year. Andy Dalton, who was the player of the month of October, playing still in the month of October, a very rare instance of that happening. It was on Halloween night. He He's throwing the ball all over the lot, and the Dolphins win on a walk-off safety in overtime, a Cameron wake-off safety. <laughs> Unbelievable. And all of this is taking place under the backdrop of an offensive lineman, Jonathan Martin, from the team, leaving due to, as we were learning at the time still, um, leaving because he felt he was bullied by members of the team. The story that he'd come at, came out is that he went into a, the cafeteria and sat down, and as he sat down, all of his offensive linemen stood up, walked away. I mean, we, we've seen that happen in grade school cafeterias, and normally that's the sort of thing that happens maybe in locker rooms or sporting teams all around the globe maybe. But this affected Jonathan Martin as a last straw situation, and he left the team. And... This has now taken on completely new life. Total different news cycles with what Richie Incognito, his uh, teammate, who has been bullied himself in his life, as uh, Jeff Darlington of NFL Media has written about Incognito for uh, many, many times. He had a, a great feature on this yeah. uh, offensive lineman who has apparently turned his life around 
That was the concept of the story. That was the whole part of Darlington's piece. And now he's leaving voicemails to, or a voicemail to Jonathan Martin, expletive-laden, racially charged, that on, on its face sounds completely insane and over the top. Now people are wondering what the context of that was. People are wondering whether Jonathan Martin should have stood his ground. Mike Ditka said he would have taken anybody who tried that with him to Fist City. And I think that's what this is all, you know, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to touch too much on this subject, guys. We've talked about this off the air because it seems that it changes daily. Yeah, yeah. ever-evolving. That we don't know what happened in there. Nobody knows for sure exactly what happened in there. And when the coaches knew about it or if they could have done anything about it or they knew about it and didn't do anything about it, the league is now investigating. The league has stepped in. It's no longer a team matter. It's now a league matter. The Dolphins asked for the league to get involved. Well, I mean, because it just seems like things are a little bit out of control there. And I don't know if then, we're ever going to know the full story. Well, I, 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 one day, Jonathan Martin, I imagine, if he does want to continue playing football in the NFL, is going to step in front of a microphone or sit down with somebody in, in, in our world of NFL media and explain what, what's going on here and or what went down there or what his thought process was and what does this mean you know and and i think the reason why everyone's talking about it this leaps off the sports page and it puts it on the front page bullying as we all know is a scourge that usually mostly children have to deal with but obviously adults can get bullied too and it is 2013 where the taking someone to Fist City approach is not, um, in some ways, in some parts, conventional. It's 2013 where many people think that we live in such a politically correct society that somebody who is a grown man of 300 pounds leaves the team because he has been bullied by other men in a world of men in the locker room, it's 2013. People are taking the point of view of Jonathan Martin, not the other way around. It's a politically correct world. And I think that people are looking at this story and placing it as a template over everything that's going on in society Yeah, and how we view everything. And I think that that has hit a nerve or a cord in so many people. So this story is one of those instances in the sports world where it's no longer a sports story. You're going to see this everywhere. Oh yeah, CNN, MSNBC, all of these stories. Jonathan Martin may even sit down with you know a, a news anchor, a morning show. <laughs> you know yeah. that this is a totally different ball of wax now, and the Dolphins just won a big game. You want to talk football? They go into Tampa on Monday Night Football to kick off, finish off Week Ten. Sap's getting his number retired that night, which is a whole another interesting Sap going back to Tampa Bay, right? To get his number retired with Tampa being winless still, but the Dolphins' situation has absolutely consumed the football aspect of what's going on with Miami. Where are the other leaders on the team? Well, a lot of people, I, 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 that's why I'm saying we don't know. 
Yeah. We don't know. And I don't want to sit here and say, what happened there? And this should have been happened here. We just don't know. And so I don't want to touch it in that regard. Other than to say, whatever the voicemail was from incognito to Martin on its face is disgusting. Yeah. Interesting note. It's disgusting. And, 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 and our, our good friend Adam Schefter on Monday Night Football put it, the context of it was, I guess, that, that Martin did not go to a couple of OTAs. And Incognito saw him on Twitter still. So he wasn't there working with the team, but he was on Twitter. Mm. And apparently Martin was not with the team because he was still – he didn't want to be with them. He didn't want to subject himself to return from his offseason to that environment. And then that's the context in which Incognito left him that message. So all of that said, it's put the football with the Dolphins completely aside. Yeah. And now, you know, Monday night might be their sanctuary or whatever or their rally around it or there are some guys in the, who are going to play for Jonathan. I don't know how this is going to work Which out. Which is crazy because that win against the Bengals was huge, huge for huge. a football I'm point of view. talking about that now. And no one's talking about that now. They're in this AFC playoff picture they're four, now. They're 4-4. Four four. They're half game behind the Jets who are 5-4 and four after beating the Saints. But I don't want to get yeah. on, on that yet. Well, uh, I mean, you, you got the Dolphins situation, right? And then the next day... The next day, uh, or two days later, John Fox takes ill on a golf course, checks himself into a hospital. There's reports that he has a heart attack, or they think he has a heart attack, and then they say they didn't have a heart attack, but he needs his aortic valve replaced. And Fox is of, of, of one of the Super Bowl contenders of the first half of the season. The seven and one Denver Broncos will now be without John Fox for the foreseeable future. And you, I, I mean, when you hear opening a chest and fixing an aorta, I can't, you know, a four to six week timetable to return. I don't understand that. Mm-mm. And then the next day, Gary Kubiak takes ill on the field with the NBC cameras trained on the field of a Sunday night football game that the Texans are cruising in up by 18 points at halftime Andre Johnson who who was halfway to Megatron by halftime and Case Keenum just injecting all sorts of adrenaline into a moribund team at two and five against the team that's leading their division this was a must-win territory but suddenly all of that euphoria that was going through Reliant went out the window or through the roof or in the ambulance out the door with Gary Kubiak in it. And Kubiak is now down for at least a week. Apparently it was a mini stroke. Can you imagine if you had told us when we taped this ne- this podcast last week that this is the stuff that we'd be talking about in week number nine. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then and then so apparently the Texans have a game in Arizona this week and, and Kubiak's not gonna coach that, even though he was released from the hospital on, on Tuesday. Um he's the Texans are, are two and six. They lost the game. The Colts came back. T. Y. Hilton had a day or a night, and luck got his sea legs under him after getting pounded in the first half. Yeah, people were tweeting that Luck looked scared on the field. It was really well, interesting. Well, he couldn't he, – he didn't look scared. I mean, he looked swarmed under. He yeah. couldn't he, – he, he, he didn't have a minute to, to look exactly. down the field. Yeah. 
And he was occasionally, you know, just trying to screen it or bubble screen it or just get out and 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 it's getting and getting, it bat- it's getting batted down. And the Texans are now two and six without their head coach, but they do seem to have a quarterback who who can light it up. In Case Keenum, I mean, he was just throwing. I mean, he was just he was just winging it down the field, it, just putting it up forty yards in the air and letting his guys make a play, and they all did. And they all did. It, 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 at one point, Chris Collinsworth analysis of, I believe, one of those 40-yard <laughs> just chuck-ups to uh, Diopian was to laugh. He laughed. So, so that wins you an Emmy, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a natural reaction. <laughs> no, I know. You know what I mean? And then Monday night football comes. Monday night football comes. Aaron Rodgers marches the Packers down the field on the opening drive in the longest-standing rivalry in the history of the game, Packers-Bears in Lambeau Field. Eddie Lacy's running. Jordy Nelson, who was our podcast guest last week, is is catching it. And then Rodgers rolls out, gets sacked, and trots off the field. And he's wincing a little bit. We see on the sideline that they're working on his non-throwing shoulder. And suddenly he's getting up. He's jogging off the field. It was really bizarre. And... Uh, Oh my goodness! Is Aaron Rodgers going into the locker room to get looked at? Because he's jogging off the field, right? Man, jogging, just very, like at a nice normal, clip, right? Jogging off the field, and then they start showing Seneca Wallace warming up, and it, he looked like he was going to swallow his own vomit. <laughs> right? I mean, he just looked like any time a, a backup quarterback comes into the game, and I'm around our our guys on game day morning, or or. Thursday night kickoff, Dion, all of them. They're like, he, backup quarterbacks never expect to get in the game. Never. They can prepare all week. They can say that up, down, left, right, sideways, that I'm preparing as if I'm playing every week. They don't expect it. Certainly not if you're a backup to Aaron Rodgers. You're not expecting it. No. Suddenly, Seneca Wallace is warming up, and we all three of us watched that game together Monday night. We did. And we're like, is he going to? Is he gonna? Is he? Is he gonna get in the game? <laughs> no, like, Rogers. Rogers must. You know, maybe he's gonna just maybe uh, he had to go a, to, you maybe he'd see Doctor Feelgood. You yeah. know, maybe it's something going on with his non-throwing yeah. shoulder. They'll warm it up. He'll come out, or they'll, they'll they just need to tape him or something. Yeah. Oh, he'll come out. He'll be fine. Suddenly, Seneca Wallace is trotting out on the field, and then Aaron Rodgers is questionable to return. And the longest standing rivalry again in the history of the NFL Monday is now, Night Football. on Monday Night Football is now being adjudicated by Seneca Wallace against Josh Luke McCown. Josh McCown. McCown. Cade? Cade McNown. I don't know. Which, which right? McCown was that last night? Josh McCown, <laughs> who, by the way, is looking great. And great. Jay Cutler, you want to talk about up is down and black is white? Seriously. Jay Cutler, who whose most famous moment maybe in in his brief dalliance with this rivalry was to stand on the sideline in an NFC championship game that he was knocked out in just standing there. Now you see Jay Cutler on the sideline. He's got pencils behind he's the ear. He's got earpiece in. He's, he's working it, man. He's looking at the he's Polaroids. Looking at Polaroids. Right. He's locked and loaded. I don't want to say I changed him when I met him. But, you know, we discussed a few of these Cutler things. is... Cutler was everywhere. And guess who wasn't? And Aaron Rodgers, you see him on the sideline. Suddenly, he's got his pads off. He's out. And I'm getting tweets saying, well, where's Rodgers' earpiece? 
Is he not helping Seneca Wallace? Yeah. I mean. Great mustache, though. For Movember. Yeah. Solid. I mean, holy smokes. Eddie Lacy, though, was running up and down the field. They did take the lead. They onside kicked, which was a bold maneuver. Took the lead, but McCown was too much. And you take Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews off the Packers, and what do you have? A 500 team, I think. A 500 team. Now, as of this taping, Rodgers said he has a fractured collarbone, and they won't know till the end of the week a timetable for his return. And collarbones, if you recall, when Tony Romo was down for the season a few years ago, was in the 2010 season. That went awash when Garrett got the interim gig and then in 2011 got it for good. If you remember with Romo, it was where it was on the collarbone. That it was in a spot that proved too difficult for him to rehab it and come back that season. And they had to pull the plug on it. Was Romo the throwing shoulder? I can't it remember. just doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's throwing remember. or not. Okay. It was throwing for him, but non-throwing. It's just it, it depends from what where it is on the okay. collarbone. Hmm. And um, thankfully, with all these medical issues, we have Doctor Oz on the show. Why not? Doctor Mehmet Oz is going to join us not only to talk about that, but in the middle of all this craziness, Nick Foles threw seven <laughs> touchdown passes in a game. He's up there with Sid Luckman, Peyton Manning, Y.A. Tittle, Nick Foles, the guy who couldn't who couldn't get a first down if his life depended upon it against the Cowboys team that ranks, I believe, 30th in pass defense. And the Raiders, who are in the middle of the pack defensively, they are no slouches, got lit up. up. They proved to be tremendous slouches, Rich. And he did I, it in Nick 37 minutes, Foles, I think. Nick Foles oh. had seven touchdowns with 19 minutes to go in the game. Unbelievable. That's why I'm saying week to week, you have no idea what's going to happen. What? And I mean, this week was really off the wall. I mean, totally off the wall. Geno Smith throws nine passes, and the Jets beat Drew Brees. If you had told me last <laughs> week Geno Smith was only going to complete nine passes and the Jets were going to be putting the bang thing on on the Saints and looking really good doing it. I mean, I would have told you you were nuts. Absolutely crazy. The Chiefs, they didn't score an offensive touchdown, right? And still stayed undefeated. Yeah, and we haven't even hit on that yet. (laughs) The Chiefs are 9-0. And Jeff Toole got the start, which caused me to change my pick. But I smelled it last there week on the text podcast. Like, that the Chiefs, that the Chiefs are, you know, you go to Western New York, that's no easy assignment at all. And if if Thad Lewis had started the game, Chiefs might have a loss. But that defense scored twice. Alex Smith just keeps chugging along, and the Chiefs hit the bye week nine and zero, and two of their next three are against the Denver Broncos, coached by Jack Del Rio. Man. Jack Del Rio. Wow. Our guests on this show, Jason Witten of the Dallas Cowboys. Speaking of, As they are taking on the New Orleans Saints. Speaking of t- 
tough wins and crazy games. I mean, the the Vikings, darn near, they should have won that. Let me tell you something, man. It drives me nuts playing not to lose when you see coaches do it. It drives me absolutely nuts. That's why Trestman going for it on fourth down. Well, you saw that. Trestman went for it on his own 30 on fourth and inches. It was crazy. That was a crazy call. Fourth and inches. With a lot of time left, And what that sparked was a 16-play drive that culminated in a field goal to make it a one-touchdown game, which with the way Seneca Wallace was winging it around was more than enough. That was a nearly nine-minute drive. I mean, and and it was all sparked. He could have said, "You know what? I I can't I can't run the risk of of being stopped here deep in my own end." You know, so that's on one end, and then on the other end is what Leslie Frazier did. What he did with with five minutes to go in that game, where he had a chance with one win on the season, and he's a nice, sweet man, but. That's the caveat here. <laughs> anytime you anytime you start with, with that, Rich, we know where you're heading. But to give you the exact particulars here, we couldn't believe it watching the game that, that, he, that he made the decision that he made, which was on fourth and five at the Dallas 36-yard line with three minutes to go. Three minutes to go. Instead of... Kicking a field goal, right? Kicking a field goal to go up by six, forcing Dallas to have to go the entire length of the field. You got Blair Walsh, who's got a cannon for a leg. That would have been a 51-yard field goal. That's it. All right? And this, Blair Walsh is one of those young kids in this league for whom Corolla wants to raise the goalposts because these are the kids who are kicking 40-yard field goals so high above the uprights, you can't tell if it's good or not. Right. So it's fourth and five at the Dallas 36. Do you send Blair Walsh out to go up by six? No. I guess what you do, if he misses it, then Tony Romo gets the ball in great field position at his own 41, and that's a problem because, you know, we're up by three. And How much time was Or that? what do you do when you got one win? You go yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Go for it. You get a first down right there. Game is over. You get a first down right there, the game is over. You don't give the ball back. Oh, by the way, you have Adrian Peterson in the backfield. So they sent Ponder up there to try and get him to jump off sides, took the five-yard penalty, punted it, and pinned Dallas inside their own 10. And what does Dallas do? 90 yards. In nine plays, game over. Good for Tony Romo. I I was glad. The the meltdown would have been. Well, he threw a pick on the possession before. Here's the problem. You, nine runs. Nine. Nine runs. DeMarco Murray's active, and you don't even use him. How does that happen? How does that happen? They took the play calling away from Jason Garrett so he could focus on the situational football, which we've seen them flail at on occasion. Right. But we'll talk about all of this with Jason Witten. Dr. Oz coming on the show. He's a big Eagles fan, right? He. Uh, he, he, he I think he... Started off as a New York fan, but then when he went to UPenn, he became an Eagles fan. Ah. And now his kids are Giants fans, so I think he's torn a little. Okay, it's Penn, by the way. I don't, I don't know what you're saying. UPenn. You say UPenn, University of Where? Pennsylvania. Where? In Happy Valley? That's what we call it, UPenn. 
Have you ever, you ever seen their My brother their went there. I never once <laughs> called it. You go to UPenn. Come on. I'm now. telling you. It's Penn. You just call it Penn. UPenn, University of Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. I'm not going to argue. But with guess what? Idea. Guess what? Dr. Oz went to Harvard. He didn't go to Penn. He got his... He got his he went to Penn. He did got he? his. He got his doctorate. He played football he in Harvard. Under, he did his undergrad at Harvard, and he got his doc. He got his uh, doctorate, okay. whatever. Boy, at this is all latex <laughs> right now. Side note: U Penn people on the West Coast don't know the difference between U between Penn and Penn State. So when you tell people you went to Penn State, they're like, "Oh, they're like, oh, I I, Ivy League." Oh, okay, and uh, I'm always just like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." You know? Yeah, you you look like an Ivy League. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, with, your, with your hillbilly beard, you hillbilly, hillbilly. <laughs> Good lord. Dr. Oz will join us. And, and, I mean, who, who better to ask about what's going on with John Fox than him? No there's kidding. Some bullying, he's a heart, he's a going heart on right doctor. Here, guys. He's a heart surgeon. Don't check your voicemail. <laughs> and uh, then in studio, in the flesh, Jerry Rice. Wow. Jerry freaking Rice. That's our show. Good one. Can't wait for this. Is Witten on the phone? Witten is on the phone. Let's start it. We are pleased to be joined by the man who is tied with Drew Pearson on the all-time receiving Cowboys list, tied for fifth on that list. He is an eight-time Pro Bowler now of the five and four Dallas Cowboys heading to New Orleans. Jason Witten on the Rich Eisen podcast once again. How are you there, Jason? Doing good, Rich. Good to be on with you. I'm, I'm wondering how you feel with the drama. Can can the Dallas Cowboys just win an ordinary game, Jason? What do you think? <laughs> well, I'd hope so. I mean, uh, you know, it's a little bit too dramatic the way these games have uh, come down. It seems like these, this year and really the last few weeks. But um, you know, it is it's tough in the NFL to get a win. Everybody's uh, you know everybody's good, and um, you know it was a tough game for us. Obviously, we can play a lot better, uh, but it was good to have that final drive and get a big win there. Um, at home against Minnesota. Yeah, because you strike me in the times that we've met many times. You're you're a drama-free guy. You're just a normal guy <laughs> who happens to be, like I said, an eight-time Pro Bowler, tied with Tony Gonzalez for most thousand-yard receiving seasons by tight end in league history. Just a normal guy, and it just you're just you got all this stuff swirling around you all the time in Dallas. Well, it's it's um, you know it's part of playing you know in in, in this league, and and uh, you know we just. Um, you know, we could go without the drama, of course, and, and hopefully we get on a roll. But, um, you know, that's the way this league works, though. I mean, you, you see it week in and week out, and you know it. You cover it every week. It's uh, Games come down to one possession or a, a, a field goal or to get the pylon. I mean, that's the way this league is, and regardless of what the records are. And I think for us, we're just hoping to, to, to play our best ball moving forward. And obviously, tough loss in Detroit last week. It's good to bounce back and know we can play a lot better moving forward. Uh, I do have to just – I'll do it just once, and we'll just get out of the way with Des Bryant on the sideline with you. Um, that that one looked that one looked something other than positive, Jason. And I know it's just heat of the moment, and you can put it aside once you're, once you're done because you're professionals. But when, when you go through something like that, and you probably know it's on television, what, what do you think when, when you head home later on that night? Well, I mean, you know, when you're in the moment, you're obviously not thinking about being on television. You're thinking about winning a football game. Um, you know, I think really you got to know what the substance is and what what's really going on, you know. And so it, it, it wasn't a situation where guys, you know, disappointed about balls. And it's also not another guy, me, um, you know, 
you know, ripping him. It's simply, you know, I mean, focus on we got to move on and we got another possession here, and you're obviously going to be a big part of it because he's one of the best in the league. We want the ball in his hands. Um, so, you know, those things come up. It's, uh, it's not a thing where, you know, guys are arguing and bickering or um, not on the, you know, they don't get along. I mean, he's a great teammate. I love playing with him. Obviously, I said it last week. You know, I'm so proud of the way he's developed over the last four years, both on and off the field. Great teammate, works his tail off every day. And, um, you know, I just want to remind him, we, we're trying to focus on the next possession. So um, that's what happens, though. I mean, it happens every week. And, and guys are um, get into these games and, and the communication, and sometimes it's emotional and, and passionate. So um, that's all right. And, and um, you know, he moved on. And obviously, we got a great relationship. Yeah, that said, at this point last season, you only had three wins entering Week 10 and still played for the division in Week 17. This year, you're actually in first place entering Week number 10. And sometimes, just from my shoes, just talking. You know, we've got Irvin on the set. We've got all these guys. It, it feels like Dallas isn't even in first place in their division. Yeah, I mean, there's been some tough losses. Obviously, expectations are high, and, you know, um, it's a battle right now in the NFC East, you know. So, uh, but you, you know, you want the standard to be high. You want to play better. Uh, I, I think there's a couple ways you look at it. Just like you mentioned, I mean, you're in first place in the division, and uh, so, so there's a sense of you can control your own destiny, and that's a good feeling. At the same time, you look at it the last few weeks and you say, man, we can play a lot better, and we got to play a lot better moving forward. And you look at the opponents we're going to be playing. So, uh, there, there's a sense of. You know, we're heading the right way, but but also the urgency has to be there when you go through this stretch, as you know, where if you want to play in January, you need to put these stacks and wins together this time of year, and that's what our focus needs to be on. Yeah, and now you go to New Orleans. The last time your team went there, uh, NFL Network, we were there, uh, a Saturday night game against the undefeated Saints with your team at 8-5 and five, and nobody expecting you to win, and you came out with the win on that night in that environment, which was ridiculously loud. What, what are you telling your teammates who, who, who weren't there that night, have never been in that building? What will you tell them this week about playing in that environment? Well, there's nothing like a, a night game in New Orleans. I mean, it's just electric, as you know. And, and um, you know, especially with that football team, they're, they're so good at home. Um, and, and, you know, they just picked back up with Coach Payton, Sean Payton coming back and, and Breeze and the crew. Um, you know, they're just playing so well. So uh, that was a big win for us. You know, I think back to that game, and, um, you know, it's one of my favorite games I've ever been a part of, just DeMarcus and not knowing if he was a, was a game-time decision and goes out there and plays unbelievable well. So hopefully we get to get some guys healthy like him, DeMarcus, and he's a big part of that, one of the best to, to do what he does, pass rushing and um, get prepared. But, yeah, you're, you're right. you got to remind some of these young guys they've never experienced a game like this on the road it's just an electric atmosphere and we got to be able to handle it obviously um you know we want to get to six and four yeah and and i'm sure you'll be watching film just like any old week but you certainly know the defensive coordinator that's there since he was on your sideline last year in rob ryan what what can you expect in your mind in your pro bowl mind from rob ryan heading yours and tony's way coming up this sunday well first i would just say uh you know He's had this one circled on the calendar, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, so Rob, Rob is a uh, emotional guy and, and uh, wears it on his sleeves and, and 
um, you know, obviously he's a really, really good football coach. So, um, you know, I'm sure he'll be ready for this one. Had it circled on the calendar for a long time. So, um, but yeah, I mean, his style of defense, we've seen it for a while. I mean, he does a lot of good things. And so I think it starts with pressure in the 3-4 defense. And, um, you know, going against him the last two years, uh, he's pretty good at it. So we got to be prepared for it. I'm sure he's going to have a good plan. And, and um, I'm going to try to attack us pretty hard. So hopefully we can balance that and execute and, and – uh, Slow them down on on offense and get out of there with a big win. Yeah, as you old as as you know, uh, you, you guys aren't robots. Players aren't robots. Tony, I'm sure here's what's being mentioned frequently. Um, and also, there's lots going on in his personal life. He's a dad for the first time. He just signed a huge contract with huge expectations. How has he changed? How has he changed this year? Or is he just still the same guy who just happens to have a big fat contract and a kid at home now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's. It all evolves, you know. I mean, as a player, especially at that position, I mean, I think you develop into, you know, what he's become. I mean, obviously, I think he's an elite quarterback, and you know, you're going to take on criticism until you compete for a championship, just like all good quarterbacks have done. You've seen over the years, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there is a there's a accountability there of you know when you take on that type of contract of more involved in just the system and and. Um, you, know, you, you want that, and I think Tony's done a great job of um, kind of taking that over, and I think he's a great leader, and like you said, I mean, uh, but but he doesn't allow that contract to kind of uh, boost him or, or think that people should uh, do anything different. I mean, he's he's pretty pretty much the same guy in how he approaches it and works hard and uh, fun to be around, great leader for our football team. So uh, he's playing really well right now. Obviously, he played great yesterday on that final drive, and um, we kind of just follow his lead. He's done a good job for us. What do you stand on on the balance on offense, uh, uh, Jason? I'm sure you want the ball just like most receivers, although you're probably less vocal about it. Nine rushing attempts, that's a, a, a record low for a single game as you had this past week. Where do you stand on that? Well, obviously, anytime as you move forward, um, I think it's twofold. I mean, one side says do what you got to do to win, and you, you can't worry about that. But as, as you move forward, we know we've got to run more um, to have success and, and, and to be a complete offense. So um, that's something we spent a lot, of, a lot of time in the offseason on trying to get better at because, um, you know, the consistency that brings, everything goes off your run game, your play action, coverage, uh, how they try to attack you. Um, but, you know, yesterday Minnesota was playing the Tampa 2 system. I thought Tony did a great job of just kind of hunting the holes, dink and dunk, and, and moving the ball. Uh, keep his head of the chains, and, and hopefully we'll go back at it and look at it and, and get better in the run game and uh, get that going moving forward. Last question for you. I know you got to go to a meeting. I know you're also very involved, community, charity. What what can you uh, tell us about your latest works and how people can get involved and find out about it, Jason? Oh, thanks for mentioning that, Rich. I, I just think, um, you know, we have such a platform as athletes, and I, I think so many guys around the league are doing a good job of just realizing that in their own way, giving back. And so our, our score foundation, you know, we, we focus on domestic violence and then boys and girls clubs and just impacting kids' lives. So, um, you know, we just think that's a big part of what we want to do and make a difference in those lives and really just train these kids who, for most of them, haven't seen what a man looks like in their lives. So uh, every day is a great opportunity for that. And, um, you know, just appreciate the league and, and network support and obviously for you saying that. Of course. I mean, is there a website that people can go to or a place where you yeah. can go to? Yeah, they can go to uh, jasonwitton82.com and there's the SCORE Foundation all over there and 
any way they want to get involved, um, we'd love to have them part of it. You're the man, Jason. Part of uh, the new 13-game schedule of uh, NFL Network is we don't get the Cowboys because everybody plays only once on Thursday. So um, I always enjoyed watching you in person, and I hope to do it again really soon. And I always appreciate when you come on this podcast. All right. Thanks for having me on, Rich. You, you bet. Same to you. That's Jason Witten, the reigning Walter Payton Man of the Year winner, by the way, getting set to take on the New Orleans Saints for the 5-4 and four Dallas Cowboys on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Love that guy. One of the good guys, man. One of the good guys. He would never leave a voicemail on Jonathan <laughs> Martin's phone. You know what I mean? Like it's just people are just wired differently and he is one of the he's one of the best. Wasn't he a rookie on one of the first hard knocks? I th- I think he I think he might have been Jason the first Witten. hard knocks was with Coach Billick in the um which you know, you mentioned hard knocks. One of the fun parts of that is seeing what they do to the rookies, you know, when they tie them up to the goalposts and dump by some stuff like that's fun. Mm-hmm. But this stuff where you're making them pay for $30,000 checks at dinner. Yeah, again, that's what that's what the Miami Herald was reporting, that there's like trips th- to Las Vegas. And that's there's, insane. You know, but then but that's the whole reason why I don't want to talk about that sort of stuff is because mm-hmm. you heard about there was a trip to Vegas that they made him pay for even though he didn't want to go and didn't go. And then I found out that he didn't pay he just didn't want to go and didn't go and didn't pay. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much that you hear. Yeah, it yeah. changes by the hour. And But you know what was really remarkable? The, um, I guess, the, the magazine that they gave out, the program that they gave out at the game on Halloween night. Yeah. Did you see that? I heard no. that. It. Yeah, that where they asked each, they asked several different Dolphins players some Halloween-related questions. And Incognito was one of those dolphins that they asked Halloween-related questions to. And the question was, which teammate is easiest to scare? And he chose Jonathan Martin. Martin. Yeah, I did And that was in the program. Man, oh, man. Can't make it up. Can't make it up, man. Can't make it up. I liked how Witten said about, um, you know, about that, like, like, that blow-up. I mean, they were over it like that. And again, we don't really know. He, he, that could be what he's saying, but you know, he said you know you're in a situation where guys disappointed, not about not getting balls, mm-hmm. and he's not yelling at him because you know he he something he's doing on the field. It's that he just wanted to get his concentration on what was going to happen next, and there were still 12 seconds on the clock, and it was it was like water under the bridge between them. Do you think that you know some of these issues are media, more media created, and the players don't? cares just like when we talked about pete carroll and said the seahawks on the road you know is that myth no, i don't know uh, it, it's it's from what our guy i, I always go by our guys by guy, right yeah. by our yep. by our, by the game day morning guys and as brockman is learning uh being part of the show this year and being in the show meetings sitting there and listening to those guys talk football it's just it's a different level of football knowledge because mm-hmm. of the experience that they've had no doubt about it and the experience that they bring and how how they're they're all first rate communicators too so and they all say the issue is not when you do it the issue is if you do it repeatedly and that's what warner said turn it it's they just it, they'll tune you out and that's what sap said about Keyshawn. they just would roll it's their eyes wolf. there's just like enough enough's enough but it certainly didn't help that Dez dropped some f- footballs yeah. in this game. That's you know, um, that said, the Cowboys are five and four, and that's a big game in, in New Orleans. And I'm telling you, man, that night in New Orleans, the two times in the ten years of this network that I've heard the stadium the loudest, 
And it's all due respect. I know that we went to Kansas City for Thanksgiving for our first ever game. Very loud there. That's the record, right? And we've been to Seattle a couple of times. And I, the 12th man is ferocious. But we've been in NFL Network. We, we were in the Dome, in the Superdome, for the game where they reopened the Superdome after Katrina, the one where Steve Gleason blocked the punt of Michael Vick. Eric Weinberger, our Shockings. executive producer here, and, and um, the rest of management team here realized the importance of that game. Because it was a Monday night game. Yeah. It wasn't our game. That's what I was surprised. It wasn't our game, but we were doing the Monday night total access shows to, you know, as a pregame warm up for Monday night football, as we always do here on the network. Uh, they sent me, Mooch, and Marshall to the game, and it was something else. It was something else. And Marshall was really emotional. He's from there. Right. So to see that dome reopened again, and then Vic was the one in with Atlanta. So Vic is there, and he's rolling out, and he fumbled one of his first scrambles, and the ball was loose, and it rolled out of bounds. And it's one of those, like, people were screeching, and whoa, right? And you just heard that building electric, and then Gleason blocked the punt for a touchdown i mean just unbelievable and then the game i just spoke to about with witten where the saints were 13 and 0 that's right 2009 on that saturday night and 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 jerry jones came on our air before the game and he said he was nervous as a cat said it on television because he thought he had everything in place wade phillips all of his players demarcus ware was coming back from injury that's right and he had a night, he sure and they did. balled out, and that place was loud as I've ever heard in a, a building, and Dallas won that game. And Witten was saying, you know, that was one of the most incredible games he's ever played in, and I was there for that, man. That's going to be a heck of a night, week 10. Heck of a night, week 10. But you take a look at the NFC East right now, and here are the Eagles at 4-4. Four and four. The Eagles are at four and four. Pick up Riley Cooper because his chemistry with Foles is Nick Foles. I had him and dropped him. <laughs> well, they're, the Eagles are not four and four. They're four and five. My bad. They're four and five. Right. A game behind Dallas, and we kick off Week Ten with Washington at Minnesota. Washington could be four and five by the end of Thursday night. A game behind Dallas. And Which is going into New Orleans this week. If Dallas goes 5-5 five and five, and the Eagles, guess who they play this week? They go to Lambeau, where who knows what that Packers team's looking like. And again, this is the Tuesday after the Monday night game in which Rodgers got hurt. And Rodgers saying, as we know right now, it's a fractured collarbone. We do not know how long he's going to be out. We have to assume he's not going to be playing this Sunday yeah. with that. And I-, I tweeted this out the minute I saw Rodgers run off the field. Monday night. You have to think they call up Matt Flynn, who got released by Buffalo earlier in the day when E.J. Manuel was cleared to return to action for the Bills. You have to think. You know, is E.J. Manuel, the Bills getting set to go to Pittsburgh this week. You have to think. Why wouldn't they, right? I mean, Flynn, who has, as we all know, just, you know, uh, has not performed up to the expectations that everyone thought when when he was uh throwing six touchdowns right the the the, 
the experience that he had as Aaron Rodgers' backup right. in that offense. Now, Philbin, who was calling the plays in a way, or was the offensive coordinator, he's now in, in Miami, obviously, as the coach there with a whole big hornet's nest going on there. But McCarthy, it's the same offense. It's Mike McCarthy calling the plays, and it's Matt Flynn. Why wouldn't you just – he's got to be better than Seneca Wallace. It's got to be. I don't think the Packers are in a position to make some serious moves in the NFC, and you're going to ride with Seneca Wallace for the next month or so. It, it makes young it, call back? it makes perfect no. sense to go to Flynn. That NFC North man, three teams, five and three, three teams at five and three. Maybe the Lions are now in the driver's seat. Who knows? So you've got the Eagles going there. And if the Eagles win that game, they're 5-5. Five and five. And mean, they could be tied with Dallas. Unbelievable. A half game in front of Washington by the end of this week. That is an entirely feasible Week 10 scenario. And how about Washington's thought, huge win over I the Chargers? I thought Danny Woodhead might have made one of the greatest plays ever, going from his right hand over Switching and hitting that hands. pylon. It looked like he just missed it. That cost him the game because they couldn't get in. Well, First you know what cost him the game? Terrible play calling. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Two timeouts in your back pocket. On the one foot line. And what did they do? They shotgun snap handoff to Danny Woodhead, 100 pounds soaking wet, right into the middle of that line. And LaRon McClain is on your team, by the way, to block. Ugh. That's the first play. And then the next two, you bring in McClain and you throw it. What in the world is going on there? I mean, you just try to outthink everybody. Yeah, you had to go. You had to go twelve inches to win the game. Plus, they're throwing a behind the or over the shoulder fade to, to Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates just needs to box the guy out. The, the corner. It was D'Angelo Hall. He's it's. it's uh, I mean, the Chargers. The Chargers had it. They had that one. But uh, the NFC East is a a fascinating division. I mean, it's like you rubberneck. We rubberneck that division. We don't watch it. <laughs> Uh, doctor, let's page Dr. Oz. Let's page him. He's, I, I think he's got a lot to say on the NFCs. I'm proud to say that my next guest is appearing on the Rich Eisen podcast through the help of Warren Sapp, who said to me, I'm uh, texting with Dr. Oz right now. And I said, I need him on my podcast. And within, <laughs> within an hour, it was actually put together. So pleased to have on the Rich Eisen podcast one of the more popular television figures today. Uh, Dr. Mehmet Oz. How are you, Dr. Oz? Thank you. And you know it's impossible to say no to Warren at, at any level. <laughs> How did you know Warren? How did you meet Warren? You know, Sony uh, distributes my show, yeah. uh, which is syndicated. So you have, you know, you have some you know, great team of folks who go out there and make sure in every market it's on the air. And Warren uh, works a lot with Sony Corporation. So we have a, a close mutual friend who is an executive there, Steve Moscow, who's you know, yeah. by himself. Yes, he's uh, a big Raven know. fan, uh, yes, Steve. Yes, he is. He's from, from the area. And so he's... <laughs> So he introduced Warren to me a long time ago, and we've stayed close. Yeah, well, Warren, as you said, it's difficult to say no to Warren, for <laughs> sure. And uh, he told me again, um, you know, that obviously um, you, that you're uh, an Eagles fan, or would you say, what, what type of, what, which team is your team, would you call? Well, I, I grew up with the, we call them the Beagles, where I grew up. Okay. Uh, that's, <laughs> but the Eagles are... You know, I get those pangs in my stomach when they're playing because uh, it reminds me of my childhood. I've lived in New York for most of my life, and sure. my, my kids are all avid Giants fans. So I try not to root when they're playing each other, but uh, I, I root for one of those two teams almost always. Okay, and the Eagles look great. I guess Eagles should... had a great game yesterday, yeah, seven touchdown passes. I tell you, Foles is uh, 
you know, I, I went to the game when they played the Giants last weekend in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a you know he wasn't playing because he had a concussion. But th- that team is is wonderful at sometimes, and then they seem to fall apart at others. I guess like a lot of teams in the NFL, but I, I have hopes for them. We'll see. Well, you're the doctor, so maybe you could tell me. Maybe there's something in the on the West Coast that Chip Kelly gets stronger because of what you know his time in Oregon. Maybe he just needed a, a West Coast reset. Maybe the oxygen got his offense flowing or his brain flowing. I don't know but, what it might be. Well, you have to have a quarterback to run his offense. <laughs> so they were struggling. It was uh, it was a very unfortunate game for both sides. Neither team played well last week, but this week, at least they, they, the Eagles look pretty good. I'm happy for them. Yeah. So how far do you think they can go? Well, as you know, we've spent the last couple of years thinking they would go further than they they have gone. I, I really do think they have much more talent than they show. They 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 found ways of you know, not playing like like the real Eagles they could be. And of course, it wasn't just the coaching. We know that for sure now. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, last year's coach was nine and zero, but uh, I uh, I do think that uh, that Chip's offense is the right offense for them, and I think if they can uh, mature into a quarterback decision that's and a healthy quarterback decision, then I think they they can they can make the playoffs. I don't know if they can go further than that, but we'll see. Yeah, what do your kids think is wrong with the Giants, and plus you with your eye test of the Giants? You know, I gotta say, I, from, I, you know, I played football in, in yep. high school and college, and I I was I learned so much about life from that experience. And one of the big messages, maybe the biggest message, is is, uh, is morale, and and you sort of feel the flow of the game, and you can see the Giants playing with trepidation, uh, and it doesn't make a small difference. It's not just about you know missing one play and you lose the game. It, everything starts to fall apart. You lose confidence. You can move the ball. You lose confidence. Your receivers will be open. All of a sudden, third and ten every time. Uh, Eli Manning is still fundamentally a superb franchise quarterback. Uh, it's very difficult to blame him, uh, but of course, when you put him in awkward positions and you know he's trying to make plays that aren't makeable, then everyone looks bad. Right, and they're two and six down at the bottom of that division, and we they, just. However, I bet you, yes. I'll make this prediction now that yes. they can have the season. Uh, they will be at least five hundred, and they won't. I don't think they win the division. It's a little, you know, getting difficult, but uh, you know, this is this is not a bad team, and they will be back as contenders next year. So, so they will not be in the top five of the NFL draft, is what you're saying? They're not going to fall no, not, all not the way. Not, we're not getting. We're not getting the top draft choices. You're not getting in there. <laughs> so, uh, your 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 playing career. You played in high school, and you also played at Harvard, correct? You played I football, did. Ivy League I saw football. Them, I saw them beat Dartmouth over the weekend. I was there for parents' weekend, <laughs> and they beat twenty-four, twenty-one in uh, in a very close game. But they won it with a field goal in the last minute. Was there who'd you play with? Any anybody that we might know from Harvard football that that moved? Well, you on? know, who you would know the coach's son. Joe, the coach is Joe Restick, and his son was a punter. Uh, uh. Actually, actually played at Notre Dame and then played in the pros. Um, no, no one in my era went to the pros, but they had been. Uh, well, Ryan Fitzpatrick, well. Ryan Fitzpatrick yep, went yep. from Harvard to the pros. Yep. And here at this podcast, we are always advocating that punters are people, too. Yes, punters Dr. are people, too. They are. I, I, I wish I was a punter. Maybe I could have made it back to go further. <laughs> well, my, in the Ivy League, you know, all criticism aside, there are players. Sure. Like Bobby Holly, who played against uh, us, he was, uh, he was quarterback for Princeton, played in the pros, actually won a Super Bowl ring for the Dolphins and for the Redskins. Um, and he, you know, he, he's a wonderful guy, and he's the kind of person that comes out of the Ivy League. The big difference in the, I feel the Ivy League is that you have a couple of players who could play anywhere, but you don't have the depth that some of the, you know, Big Ten, uh, you know, Pac-10 schools have, SEC schools have, and that really makes a huge difference. Right. And um, so, where, where I, I know you're in the together we make football spot that you just appeared on about why you you love the game. Oh, go go ahead and expound on on what you said on that commercial, Doctor Oz. So I, I, they asked me to talk about why 
obviously I love football, but why football was important to me, which is to me a bigger question than why, you know, it wasn't just a matter of I enjoy killing Sunday afternoon watching a bunch of games. <laughs> For me, football was, uh, was full of lessons. And some of these were lessons about failure and getting back up again. And some of them were lessons about how to lead <clears throat> and how to gain confidence. But mostly I recognized uh, as I played that I could do anything I put my mind to. Uh, and if I didn't put my mind to it, I couldn't do anything. And uh, I used that as I helped develop the, the, you know, the heart transplant mechanical heart programs at Columbia University where I practice medicine. I, you know, I used that when I try to do the shows and I try to lead the team. And I was presented with a dilemma. My, my youngest child, we have four kids. The three oldest were girls. They all played sports. But the youngest one's a boy, and he wants to play football. And so I was in the position, like many parents are today, of having to decide um, whether they should be allowed to play. With, and, of course, my wife makes this. She has the veto vote, yes. like most families. And we saw that many other children were not being allowed to play football because of the decisions of their parents, which I respect completely. I just didn't think that and – we, and we decided that because Oliver, uh, our, our son's name, would – benefit in the same way I did, you know, young adolescent men who have a lot of energy and have trouble harnessing all that testosterone, sometimes do better in a sport that has some contact element to it, um, that we, he, would do, he would benefit more than the risks. And we recognize the risks of uh, head injury and other injuries in any kind of contact sport. Uh, but I was concerned that there are many who felt that uh, you're a Neanderthal if you let your kid play uh, these sports. Why would you put them at risk? Which is a, on the surface, very understandable sentiment. But when you, when you give your kids something you didn't have, i.e. you helicopter them uh, and, and try to protect them, you take from them something that, that you did have. So, yeah, I had the risk of having concussions, but I also had the opportunity of learn, learning from the sport. And so I decided to do my little spot on that dilemma, on that decision that I had to make. To ma and it was a very personal one. I'm speaking to it as a father more than a doctor. Although, obviously, I was informed as a doctor about the risks of concussions and other potential issues. So uh, the, the heat that you have received for even appearing in this commercial, though, has been palpable. How, do you, how would you respond to that, Dr. Oz? Well, it's, it, folks get very emotional when, when they're talking about the safety of children. Uh, there were some harsh comments made, which I'm you know, understanding of. Uh, I still feel very strongly that uh, what I'm expressing, which is a personal belief that my son is better off uh, being allowed to play a sport he wants to play, uh, than not uh, stays. I, I, I'm not alone, but I'm, you know, clearly there are a lot of parents who feel huge trepidation over this, and sometimes it bubbles over his anger because uh, it, you know, it, it calls into uh, focus their decision as well. This is a problem, we, you know, and an opportunity we have in America in general. There, I was I, this morning. I was speaking to a group of very, very sophisticated uh, deans of some of the top colleges in this country including all the Ivy League schools. And I was talking to some of them about uh, what their biggest challenges are. And they said one of the issues is that the parents are always involved in the child's life. And you want to be involved in the way that, 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 that your children want you involved, but you don't want to be you know, sitting at the advisory meeting with them and, and just going to classes with them and complaining if, if things didn't go perfectly because failure is a part of life. It's a foil to success. And I, I do believe that uh, we have to be comfortable at some point loosening the reins on our kids and listen, I love my children as much as anybody else. Sure. We, we all parent differently, and there's no right and wrong way to do this. And I'm certainly not critical of the many parents who just very justifiably feel their kids should not be put in harm's way by playing some of these sports. But I, you know, I, when I was up at, my, at this parents' weekend uh, uh, this, this, up at Harvard, uh, I went to see one of the water polo games. And I did not know this, but the number one sport for concussions at Harvard is water polo. No kidding. 
Now, you might think that's crazy. How's that possible? Swimming in a pool. But if you've ever seen a water pole game, there's you know a lot what of elbows. So, there's a lot, lot of elbows. To the, there's no head protection. Uh, you know, it's a lot of, you, can hit, you can get hit by feet, knees, elbows, every part of the body. It's like pro wrestling in the water. And uh, it, so it's, it's not even the sports you might think. I mean, girls, it's soccer that's the big issue because their neck muscles aren't as strong. So when the head gets hit the ball, there's a lot of shaking that goes on in there. And so there are sports that we don't anticipate being dangerous that actually have significant head injury uh, 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 concerns. So we, you know, if we're not going to take any chances, we quickly start whittling it down. And you're, pretty, you're pretty much left telling your kids they can go antiquing, which is not going to work for a lot of, uh, especially young men, but a lot of young women either. You know, I used the word helicoptering moments ago, and I, I know what I'm about to ask you is it potentially asking you to, to take a look at something from several thousand feet above. But two coaches this past weekend, John Fox of the Denver Broncos, is taking a leave of absence for several weeks uh, because of a heart problem. Um, and uh, then Gary Kubiak on Sunday night football, strolling off the turf uh, right before halftime, took ill. They say it's not a, um, a heart attack, but he is still in observation as you and I are talking the Monday after. I mean, can can you can you just as a doc from your just your point of view when you hear about these things, what's the first thing that leaps to mind to a layperson? It's that, that these guys are leading too stressful a life. What would you say? Well, you know, I, I, I had Dick Cheney on my show uh, last week, and I asked him that same question: Was it the stress of your career that led you to having five count them five heart attacks starting at age thirty-seven? He had a heart attack ten days after the recall election in two thousand. You know, this man lived through a lot of difficult things, and he firmly believed that um, that hard work never killed anybody. Now, speaking you know, as someone who had five heart attacks, I'm not sure that that makes you a world expert on on what causes heart attacks, but it also reflects the the personality of of people, and and you you really can't tell for sure if the stress of life is the main reason you had your heart attack. It certainly doesn't help, but I've never told a patient of mine to retire. Because for a lot of people, not having purpose, not having a place to go is as stressful as the things they're going through right now. I, I do think there are a lot of, of myths around stress. One of the big ones is, is that stress is unmanageable uh, if it's too much of it. Most of the time, it's how you address stress that's important, not the stress itself. So being able to cope with the, the vagaries of life, the uncertainty, the inability to control your destiny, that's what... Uh, stress management is all about. And the exercises that do this range from you know, deep breathing exercises, which sound trivial, but they've been Nobel Prizes award, awarded for the gas that's sucked into your lungs when you take a deep breath the right way with your diaphragm. Uh, that's why athletes use that technique all the time. Um, but there are you know, things like meditation, prayer. I mean, there are many tactics to get through stress. We're not comfortable often using them, and we should. And what, what can you... Tell us what this aortic heart valve replacement that John Fox is going to have on Tuesday, what, what does that mean? What, what, what is this procedure? Well, the valve uh, that regulates blood flow out of the heart to the rest of the body is called the aortic valve. It's shaped like a Mercedes-Benz sign. There's three, three different parts to it. They're all symmetrical. And many people are born with, instead of having three parts of the valve, they only have two parts of the valve. So over time, you get more turbulence. So whether that's the cause or another pathology of that nature, yeah, it's, you know, it, the, you, when it's not made perfectly after a couple decades of wear and tear, it wears out, and you've got to replace it. It's usually a pretty straightforward operation. I don't know the details, of course, of his case sure. whatsoever, but right. generally speaking, uh, it, it's, it's a pretty elegant solution. You cut out the broken valve, you put the new valve in, the heart starts up again, because you have to stop the heart, obviously, to change the valve. And so uh, it's the, more of that recovery that takes the time rather than the risk of the operation itself. They're saying four to six weeks, because to That's me... 
you hear aorta, I mean, how can a guy go from having, you know, the Mercedes-Benz put back in his aorta to on the sideline uh, making sure that the right play is called for, for Peyton Manning? I mean, how do you do that within four to six weeks? Is that possible? Well, uh, judging by the fact that he's having to go pretty quickly, I suspect that the problem he had was a life-threatening problem. The problem with this valve is that when it gets stuck, it, you die. You know, you don't get warning signs all the time. So it's more about making sure he'll be okay next year than, than this year. But I must say, once you fix a broken valve, I mean, think about it. If his heart's able to pump with a broken valve, think how strong it is. Right. Think how well it's going to be able to deal with a healthy valve in there. And so most people, are, from an intellectual perspective, are back to full speed at about a month out. We usually tell people six weeks just to keep them from reengaging life fully before they're prepared. But I bet you'll be able to go at six weeks. A couple more questions for you. When you see these rules... You're a football guy, and you see a defender that gets flagged for hitting somebody in the helmet who then, who's, a, who's a, a, a receiver who dips his head into the strike zone, and it's on the defender to avoid a hit in midair. And you understand why the rule is in place to keep people safe, but you are still a football fan at heart. Where do you, where do you land on that? Dr. Oz. You know, I, I was t- talking to Roger Goodell about this. We were in, in Chicago doing a program for Bears Moms. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to get moms to understand the, the legalities of these things and the illegalities, because most of these concussions, I believe, are happening related to either inherent uh, flaws in, in the current rules or people not following the rules. And so I would always side on the on, this, on the side on the um, on this. I would always take the side of the undefended player. Usually, that's the receiver. Uh, I played defensive back in college. I mean, most of the time, I had more control over what was going to happen in a collision than the receiver who's focusing on the ball. And uh, I do think we've got to put the onus on somebody. Listen, I know sometimes these seem like bogus calls to fans sitting at home, but the penalty of, uh, of missing these kinds of, of calls and you know, getting people with career-ending or, or life-changing injuries is intolerable. Um, and I do think that we have to reevaluate some of the other aspects um, of, of how we play football to make it even stricter. Because, listen, you want the healthy people playing football. You want the best players out there. If, you're, if your first, second, and third strings are down, you basically it's like uh, you know, two armies waging the last, second, last days of a war. Mm-hmm. You'd rather have your top team playing. It's more fun to watch. It's healthier for everybody. You get better people to play. And, if you, and it sends a very bad message to the younger kids when you see you know, issues happening at the pro level, where, which can be devastating. So call two, it's, it's better to call one too many penalties than one too few. Right. So what, 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 did, you, what did the commissioner have to say when you when you talked about this? Well, we were talking, with actually, we started talking about uh, kickoffs because I, you know, fifty percent uh, of I, I was told by a member of his staff fifty percent of the, the, concussions. the concussions in the NFL come mm-hmm. from the kickoff, which is you know a, a, sort of an archaic play at this point. I mean, I know it's fun. I guess there have been nineteen kickoffs returned for touchdowns this year. I think. Uh, if I'm if I'm up to date. Well, you certainly don't want to take those away in Chicago. I mean, no, you, uh, you know, I mean, with with Hester, that that would be a revolt if you took no, that know, away in I Chicago. Sounds, in fact, it's the players apparently that are you know really in you know favor of this and coaches because it's part of the game. And I get that, but uh, you know, I'm watching my son play. It's the only play I you know that I really hold my breath on because most of the other collisions just aren't high enough speed in the high in high school level to cause really devastating injuries most of the time. But you know, kickoffs. At the, at the Harvard Dartmouth game, there was a kid carried off the field. Mm. Um, you know, which is you know, it's it's bad for everybody, and it's a play. At least move the kickoff up so far that most of the time there's no play. Yeah. And then you have the opportunity of making a play if you want to make a play if you're the kicking team. In college football right now, you kick from the 35 yard line. There's a play in every. You know, you always have a play. You know, if you take the kickoff away from Chicago, 
Oprah's going to be standing right there, Doctor. Oh, I, I get it. And but you yeah, do not like, want to mess with Oprah, but right? Who knows what happens three years from now? There might be uh, Chicago might not want to go anymore. <laughs> it's some, like someone's got to go first. <laughs> and, and just before I let you go, what is that story with Oprah? Did you did were, were you her doctor? I mean, how did you guys? How no, did you first get introduced a, I, to Oprah? I, tell you, I had a my wife was a very strong. She's my son's mother. She's strong-willed. So. Yes. Uh, she would see me coming home from the hospital sort of lamenting the fact that so many of my patients were getting heart surgery who didn't really need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if they just known more about prevention, they could have avoided the whole thing. And so she uh, produced a show called Second Opinion. We did it for the Discovery Channel. It was a documentary, 13 hours of programs about your body. And um, the first guest to launch the show was Oprah. And God knows why she accepted my invitation, but she did. <laughs> and uh, we made uh, 88 shows together over the course of our work together. And then she launched my show. We're partners on the, the Dr. Ross show. Mm-hmm. And she is a, you know, a wonderful mentor. She taught me a lot about life. And she taught me a lot of lessons about how to talk to people about life, which is Something I'm always, it's, it's helped me as a parent as well, by the way. But there are things like you know, people don't change what they do based on what they know. They change based on how they feel. I mean, think about how profound that is. If you want to get people to change, think differently about concussions in football or, you know, stopping cigarette smoking or just showing up in life, you get them to feel differently about the process, and then the rest comes along for the ride. If you just, you know, uh, lecture them and wag, finger wag at them, it doesn't work nearly as well. And uh, on Friday's show, um, you are talking about the brain with uh, uh, one of the finest Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta is on your Friday program uh, about the overstimulated brain. Is that what? what Sanjay tell me. Gonna be, yeah, he's in brain specialists, as you mentioned. Sure. Uh, and he, uh, he's a Wolverines fan. I, I, happened to, I was born in Cleveland, so I like the Buckeyes. Oh, no. It was terrible. It's okay. That, you're going to be in good shape. I'm, I'm, I'm a Wolverine. I'm, I'm already feeling some pain right now. If you can prescribe something for me, I'd I'm appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this. To the big game. Uh, not, <laughs> I'm not sure you are. Case. Yeah. But the, uh, you know, I, uh, we're going to be talking about how the digital uh, uh, input, rapid input of, of information to the brain actually hurts the young brain a lot. It hurts all of our brains. But it how, how, so? brain. how so? Because the brain's not designed to multitask. That's just a myth that you can actually do two things at once. You can't. When you do two things at the same time, you don't let all of the brain work. You just toggle back and forth between two, between two parts of the brain that aren't responsible for long-term memory. So you don't truly learn. And it actually impacts your ability to, to, to develop relationships with people, your intimacy, all that stuff suffers. So uh, Sanjay's arguing that the fogginess so many people feel is caused by this, and we have to really recognize that it's an ailment that's, that's very troubling. And so he's got some tips on how to deal with it and how to diagnose it. It's a fascinating program. You're talking about, like, what, Twitter? People just sitting there on their handhelds Twitter, all the Facebook, time? All social media, uh, email. I mean, there's many different ways you get input. Frankly, just watching the news while you're trying to talk to your spouse is, is an attempt at multitasking where no one gets what, the, what they want out of it. Well, I always try to focus on, on my why. I mean, of come course. on. I mean, well, that, me too. That's just, that, but that's, that's Darwinism right there is survival, right? That's just <laughs> mere survival. <laughs> just make sure my wife gets a copy of <laughs> <podcast>. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hey, Dr. Oz, I really appreciate you phoning in. I look forward to the next time. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. You bet. That is Dr. Mehmet Oz on the Rich Eisen Podcast. That was fun. That was fun. We we did chat with him, just in case you're wondering, before Rogers got hurt. Yeah. So. Tape that on a Monday. That's why we didn't bring up the collarbone with him, because there's lots of, we could have used him as our personal web MD for so many things going on. With Kubiak, too, he didn't know that it was a mini stroke. Plus, you know, I mean, he's plays a, he is a doctor. He does play one on TV, but he does not, you know, have all of the information in front of him that a doctor needs to diagnose this stuff. But. Charts. Pretty cool, though, his take as b- being a doctor, because we hear 
you know, about concussions and parents not wanting their kids to play and mm-hmm. him being a doctor and saying he's kind of on that opposite side right. where, you know, he, he encourages his, his son Oliver to play and also talks to mothers at schools and explains the, the dangers, but what what also football can bring. I, I found it interesting because, you know, when somebody that acclaimed in the medical community skews on the other side, as you said, he got in some hot water for us to, together we make football video and I found it interesting. Yes, indeed. I agree. I agree. That was a fun guest. A fun guest right there. Um, Jerry Rice is walking through that door in a minute. How cool is that going to be? Pretty right. amazing. You know, when I was a kid, talk about, you know, why we play football, why we love football. Man, all I wanted to be was Joe Montana when I was a kid. And is I, that right? Because, I, I, you know, when I started becoming a football fan, I lived on the West Coast in Alaska, so we got all the 49er games, and I remember when we moved to Alaska for the second time, I lived there twice, it was... That's something I did not know It was you, the, the Super Bowl Coast Guard family, Rich, coast to coast, and uh, we moved to Alaska for the second time on the day of the Super Bowl in 1990 when they played the Broncos, and one of the, my first memories of moving to Alaska was watching that game and watching them just destroy... You know, the Broncos and Jerry Rice had an absolute field day that day, so this will be pretty cool to uh, meet Jerry Rice. Nice. When yeah. you lived in Alaska, did you see Russia from your house? <laughs> Could you see Russia from your house? Could you throw a ball over that, an Uncle Rico, a ball over yeah. to uh, Alaska? That's called, it's called the Bering Strait. <laughs> and everyone, yeah, I used to answer a lot of those questions when I moved to Maine, but no. We Boy, couldn't. from Alaska to Maine. Alaska to Maine. And now you live in Southern California. Yep. Have you ever lived in South Florida? Uh, no, but my dad lives in Tampa now. There you go. <laughs> So. All four corners. <laughs> you went four corners. You're Dean Smith in it, man. <laughs> I've been all over the place. You're Dean Smith in it. Yeah. All right, he's walking through the door. This let's is going to be great. Let's get the goat on. Pleased to have on the Rich Eisen podcast in person, in the flesh, the goat, the greatest of <laughs> all time, and voted as such a couple years ago when the NFL Network had the greatest players of all time. None other than Jerry Rice. What's up, Jerry? How you doing? Good to see you. I'm better for seeing you, man. All right. Um, how's life? Life is good. Staying busy and, uh, you know, just still uh, working the grind. Mm-hmm. Having a great time. Working on my brand. Everything is fine. What's your brand? The Jerry uh, Rice brand? Yeah, just the Jerry Rice brand. Working on your brand. Just working on it. Just working on it. Trying to, uh, you know, trying to keep my face out there mm-hmm. and... Enjoying life. Enjoying life. Um, how many yards would you have in this league <laughs> if you played right now with the rules the way they are? Sap, Sap says that the, the rules have built an autobahn <laughs> from the top of the numbers to the other top of the numbers in the NFL. Would you agree with that? Well, it's more of a passer league now, and I think with the, the rules today, everything I accomplish when there was like tight bump and run – Defensive backs being physical at the line, being able to get their hands on you and hit you if the ball is not coming your direction. Uh, you know, I think with the new rules now, everything would double. You would, with your them. numbers would be double. Yeah, because, you know, you look at the, the guys that's putting up outstanding number now. You know, say like uh, Calvin Johnson, what he's doing, uh, A.J. Green, uh, Deshaun Jackson. The ball is being thrown in the air, and um, I think it, the advantage goes to the receiver because they also they're protected going across the middle if the ball is not coming their way. Right. So you have an NFL record twenty two thousand eight hundred ninety five 
career yards. Maybe, maybe uh, I'll were, say that might have been maybe around 30,000. 30. You wouldn't go, for, <laughs> you wouldn't go to 40? I'm not going to go to you're 40. Not gonna go to, you're not going to double uh, I'm okay. not going to double that. But, right. you know, with, uh, you know, 1,549 catches, I'm thinking around that 2,000 mark. 208 wow. career touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, Jerry, your numbers are ridiculous. And in, even in this passing league, people might not be able to touch that ever. Do you think you think any of these records that you have will be broken one day? I, you know, I think it's possible, but I, I know the dedication, uh, how you have to sacrifice, and how you have to be able to uh, keep yourself healthy and, and able to go out there on that football field and perform. So, you know, there's some great receivers out there. And... You know, Calvin Johnson, what he's doing, some of these young young guys, Julio Jones, A.J. Green, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, and the list goes on and on. You know, I think anything is possible, but I know you're going to have to really dedicate yourself to the game, and you're going to have to sacrifice. What is, has Calvin ever reached out to you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think his work ethic is unbelievable. Uh, he... He has a good feel, you know, for the game of football, and I think he's getting better with his route running and, and, and being able to come out of his cuts now because before it was just all about his size and his speed, just running about, you know, running by uh, defensive backs. But, you know, you can tell he's working on uh, the other little things now that's going to make him a better football player. Like what? Like running? Like- running routes. Running routes. Being able to, you know, come out of your cuts, get that separation where uh, – you know, the quarterback can uh, deliver the football. And, and I think him and Matthew Stafford right now, the, the, the combination is getting so much better because you look at uh, Matthew's uh, performance also, you know, he's putting up pretty good numbers. Would you put Des Bryant in that group? Yeah, you know what? Of elite receivers? You know, I, I think Des is going to have to be able to have more consistency. That's the only thing I see with him. And he's can he making, run all the routes, though? Do you he, think he can run all the routes? Because, uh, you know, they're not moving him around very much. You you see the guys that you talk about that you just mentioned, right, Calvin right. and um, obviously Larry Fitzgerald, A.J. Green. A.J. Green, is they, they they stack him. They they put him in the slot sometimes. They put him outside the numbers. I don't see that from Dez. Very and, often. and I agree with you. I think they should move him around more. They they should stack him at times. They they should uh, send him in motion where he can get away from that bump and run. Uh, but I think the thing about him, he got to have better consistency every single game. You can't do it just one game. You got to do it every game. And and I think that's exactly what he's missing right now. You know, just not being consistent. Last Thursday at our uh, Thursday night football. Uh, pre-game show we talked about Des Bryant's rants uh, on the sideline right, right. and we played you know how he said that it was positive and and the the sound backed backed him up in that regard um and then Dion we, we went down the line talking about how um that affects the Cowboys moving forward Dion says that every single great receiver he played yeah. with did the same thing mentioned you without a doubt by name without a doubt it happens you know, that's just competition. And you want to win football games. And and it's nothing wrong with a receiver going off, showing his emotions. Because now you say, well, you know, this guy, he really, he cares about the game. He wants to win. Mm-hmm. and But, you know, certain things you got to be able to control. And I have had, you know, incidents where, <laughs> you know, I have been very emotional on the sideline. You know, saying, hey, look, you know, try to get my team fired up and say, hey, look, we better than this. 
you know, you can't come out and have this type of performance. You know, you always got to come out and you got to play your best. So, you know, sometimes it, it takes, uh, you know, something like that. You went up to Montana and and had a little rant with him in the vicinity or at him? Does that, that happen? No, you, okay. you know, it's just like you get the guys together and, and you know, you're always going to have some type of confrontation. I, I have had it with uh, Steve Mariucci. Mooch. You know? Oh, yeah. Mooch and I have it. He gave T.O. 20 catches on Jerry Rice yeah, Day. He, he we know, always yeah, give him grief yeah. about that. He gave he gave Jerry. him 20 catches, then he didn't re- realize he caught so many footballs. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. You did. <laughs> but I yeah, did. <laughs> I'm sure you did. But, yeah, you know, it happens. <laughs> it's part of the game, and you move on from it. Yeah. There's no lingering no. aspect of it. No, you you just work it out. You get it out of your system, mm-hmm. and you start looking forward to the next game. Right. What do you make of what's happening in the Dolphins locker room right now? We talked about it at the top of our show, and it's a difficult topic to discuss because we don't know, right? We don't know right, what right. was going on in there. We don't know everything, and we may not know everything for a while, and, and the story keeps trickling out. But just the general concept of – bullying at a professional right, level right. in a locker room. Where do, where do your thoughts land on that, Jerry? Well, with uh, Incognito, you know, for him to bully that player the way he did and not any other players to step up and protect this player, the coaches, someone should have stepped up and said, hey, look, you can't be doing that. And I'm very surprised by it. You know, it's almost like, no one else knew that it was happening. But that locker room, you know everything that goes on in that locker room. The players know. Everybody, right? Yeah, and and it's up to those players to police that locker room. And I'm just surprised that no one else stepped up to uh, help defend uh, this player. Possible for the coaches not to know? Is that possible? No? They, they Everybody knew. knows? They knew. Everything that happens in that locker room. That's the culture of the locker room in the yes, National Football is. League. Yes, it is. Where all you guys are and that are tight. So, so the coaches can't make any excuses. They can't say we didn't know because they know everything that goes on in that locker room. I'm telling you, this story is just it's it just takes different turns every single day with Incognito and Jonathan. Well, I I, I understand you know a little harassment going on at times with players. You know, you might have to. Uh, you know, as a rookie, you might have to carry this guy a shoulder pass or something like yeah. that. But some of this stuff that was going on, it was uh, very degrading. It's very degrading, to say the least. I hear you Yeah. So in that regard. What's your relationship with the Niners organization? How how um, how how are you right now with them? And, and how I'm just wondering how they how they keep uh, all the old guard. <laughs> well, together, the old guard, I, I would Which, say. You know, there are certain guys that still sort of have an affiliation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But my legacy, it was more with uh, Eddie DeBartolo. And I still watch the Niners. I support them. I, I like the players that they have and what they're trying to accomplish. But, you know, if if they need me or if they want me to come in, you know, I'm willing to go in and talk to the players or uh, try to help those guys work out. But, you know, Eddie DeBartolo, uh one of the best owners to uh, – ever own a team the way he treated his players uh you know just like a family and we wanted to go out there and win championship 
uh, for him. Yeah, Eddie D. Eddie D. How often do you talk? With I him? still see him around a lot. He just had a birthday. He's happy. Uh, he's still he's sort of uh, funny because he's like, you know what? I think I might want to get back into football. Mm-hmm. Then he'll quickly get that thought out of his, out of his head. <laughs> and I'm the same way because I'm like, huh? You might I I might be uh-huh. ready to come out of retirement. Then all of a sudden you come to your senses. What ring do you have on there? This is Super Bowl 24 Super- against the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos in New Orleans. And then uh, I remember that one because it was more relaxing for me, and I knew exactly what I wanted to accomplish out on that football field. Do you still uh, dream that you're back out there? I mean, you close your eyes, you put. I think my body still knows when it's time to uh, get ready because of you know keeping myself in great shape, and and I was always like that that thoroughbred. You know, I, I knew when it was time to go out there and perform. So yeah, just I still get the itch right before training camp. Could you do it still? How many snaps could you give me? Uh, probably, I I probably could catch probably. I'm thinking about ninety balls. Ninety balls. Um, I, I'm I've been blessed. Wow. I, I, I've been blessed, guys. I'm still running. I'm doing everything. I, I'm still explosive. And to play the game as long as I did, and to be able to move around yeah. the way I can still move around, is just incredible. Tom Brady's on line one. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know they have a lot of young the receivers there. Yeah. A lot of young receivers. It's one of my favorite lines that Dion's said. He says this every year at the Combine when they show the cornerbacks in the weight room <laughs> lifting weights, <laughs> lifting, you know, the bar of 225. Uh, no. Dion goes, why would they make these guys do that? He says, quote, unquote, he says, every year, I never had to put Jerry Rice across my chest and lift him. <laughs> that is one of my favorite lines. Yeah, it's so funny, though, because I remember, you know, trying to lift 225. Yeah. I'm like, uh, uh, no, that's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my thing, my thing is running routes, being explosive, catching yeah, the football. And Dion probably the same way. Backpedal, being able to come out of that cut and and make interceptions. Was he the best corner you ever faced? Without a doubt, yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Because when Dion first came in, he was just known for his speed. But then he started working on the little things. He became became a student of the game and watching film. And, and, you know, being able to, uh, you know, be physical at the line of scrimmage. Also uh, come up and make those tackles on those running backs. So he became the complete uh, defensive back. Yeah, he told me that he would always have some sort of handheld devices, even in the 90s when there were, weren't many of these. And he would rest them, rest it on either, you know, when he when he took like a tub the night before the game, yeah. he would rest it on the, on the side of the tub or on a, anywhere in the bathroom somewhere. And he, that's all he would do. Whenever he was just not doing anything, he was just watching as much film as he possibly can. Yeah, and, and I think that really made him one of uh, the elite defensive backs. And now you're going to be doing the Pro Bowl with him, essentially, yeah. right? I'm looking forward to kicking this butt again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like I did on the football field. I like this. Yeah. I like this you, talk, you know, you, you know what? The thing is, he Please. was talking smack at me, and, and Dion knew that whenever we got ready to face each other, we couldn't sleep. You know, because we knew it was it was going down the next day. The best against the best. And I wanted to have my uh, best performance, and I'm sure he wanted to do the same. And I think it's the same thing in, in the Pro Bowl. You know, you know, Team Rice against uh, Team Sanders. It's on. It's it is on. on. Again. Just uh, in, in Hawaii. And he's gonna call, yeah, he's going to call me out. He, I, that's the worst thing that you can do. January 26th, it's going down it's in going. Hawaii. And, and, he, so, and you know what? Yeah. If he wants to play, mm-hmm. I know I can play. 
So you, I think you guys should suit up, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Alumni captain. If, if he wants to hey, play. Listen, Jerry, when you go to 13 of them like you did as a player, I think you have carte blanche to do it whatever so, you darn well it, please. It was so much fun for me, though, because I, I looked at uh, the Pro Bowl as being an honor, mm-hmm. you know, to be selected. And I enjoyed going over to uh, Hawaii and putting on a performance. Then there's a draft show now, right? I mean, yeah. so, so here's the deal. Yeah. So people can go to NFL.com slash Pro Bowl um, and start – Voting, you go on the ballot, you start voting, and it doesn't matter. They're calling. No, no. It doesn't it, matter what conference you're it's in. It's on conference now. Yeah, I like. By the way, I love that word. I, I, I don't know who <laughs> came up with that. Tracy Perlman's in the other room in the NFL. Did you come up with that word, Tracy? Who did? Jamie Weston. Jamie Weston did. Okay, because unconference sounds like one of those words that Bob Barker said at the end of The Price Is Right that you should help control the pet population. <laughs> There you go. Un- unconferenced. It yeah, sounds yeah, great. Yeah, so help control the Pro Bowl ballot population. <laughs> have your have your teams selected and unconferenced, you know? I mean, but so the un- so it's unconferenced. Right. It doesn't matter. So basically Well, well say say this. So Brady uh, could throw to Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. Oh, yes. In this oh, Pro yeah, Bowl. Yeah, or you know, say a Kevin Johnson. Oh boy. So that'd be great. You know, you look Peyton at Manning to Calvin Peyton Manning Johnson. to uh, he might be used to say Wes Walker, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you got a Jimmy Graham or something like that. So, so that'll be fun. It's like a fantasy team. It's it is go- a fantasy it's gonna team. Be a, it's going to be a lot of fun. It is, and then so you and and Dion are part of the selection process. Yes, essentially. We are. Yes, we so are. So you're going to pick you're going to pick the players along with the fans. Oh, yes, we are. Yeah, and and I I'm I'm already I'm looking at my list. I'm looking at my options and. You know, you look at the two quarterbacks right now. I'm thinking, you know, who's Peyton your first Manning, choice? You Peyton get- Manning, uh, uh, Drew Brees. Peyton Manning is close to like 3,000 yards right now. 29 touchdowns. Who do you take? You got the first pick. Let's say you if, get if, the first pick. If, if I you got get the, the first pick, if I got out of the, the entire pick. Pro Bowl population, it's a mock draft. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to give away any secrets right now. But I, I would say probably, I would go with Drew Brees. You'd go with Brees yeah. over Peyton Manning. Right now, I, I, I would probably go with uh, Drew Brees. I like it. And, and you know, defense or are you wise, running the okie doke, making making Dion take maybe Breeze first, yeah, and then defense you're wise, playing mind maybe, games. Maybe here. like someone like say, uh, you know, a Mario Williams, uh, Robert Mathis, uh, he's a Justin, awesome. a Justin Houston from uh, KC, Kansas City. So it's 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 gonna be interesting. In Kansas City for real. Everyone keeps wondering that you, because because they don't blow anybody out. You don't. You do not luck up and get nine and zero. You don't luck. <laughs> not here in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen. So it's something going on with that team. And we play the game to win football games. Try to get home field advantage. You get home field advantage. Anything can happen. So there's something going on in KC. Nine and zero. Yeah. And Alex Smith. And that's just for him. The way he handled what happened in San Francisco. Very last impressive. Year. Just uh, you know, a total professional. And, you know, I think with, uh, you know, Andy Reid, he needed a quarterback that was just going to manage everything, not turn the ball over. And I think he's doing that, but, that, you know, defense-wise, they're getting it done. See, too. but that's in, in our day and age, certainly in the passing league, game manager is like, that's like a four-letter word, right? I mean, right, right, calling right. someone a game manager, people would get insulted by that. But I'll tell you what, if he's managing it, the game and they've got that defense – and he doesn't have to throw it all over the lot. That's the way you should win football games. It's, it's if you can. working. It's working. And don't be surprised that this team, if they walk away with uh, AFC West, well, I, do not be surprised. So who do you put, like right now, before I let you go here, who do you put in the Super Bowl? 
who do you like right now? We're entering week number ten, and I said <laughs> I, this at the top. I, I, I think, said this at the top I, of the show. I think it's just too early. It's, well, it's well, way too early. I said this at the top of the show that you can't say anybody's a surefire Super no. Bowl team anymore. No. no, you can't. Even with like just two weeks ago, we were talking about how the Broncos were undefeated. You just can't say that right now. Their head coach, who knows when John Fox is returning to the sideline. Peyton Manning, the you know old man winner's coming, as Mariucci says. You look at Seattle, Seattle, which right. leads the NFC. I, I mean, and they've been atrocious the last couple ball games, the but Rams, they still f- find know, a way to win. They do. So it's just, I think that's the way the season is going to evolve. But you have to give me it, two teams right now, Jerry. What do you got? Who do you have in the? If if you had to just crystal ball it for me right now, <laughs> we won't hold you to it. It's not like this is downloaded internationally. Or anything. <laughs> so who do you have? What do you got? Who do you got? I I really and, and guys, I know you guys gonna say, well, that's who you play for. But I think if Michael Crabtree can come back and be able to help that team uh, stretch the field mm-hmm. and and be able to get away from that uh, bump and run, you know, because Seattle it's gonna come down between. Uh, 49ers Seattle and yes. right now I feel like Seattle got the edge on us because of uh, what they did to us last ball game yes. so we got to be able to defeat bump and run so we need Michael Crabtree Mario Manningham if those guys can come back and contribute I feel, feel like we have a chance so I got to go with Niners Yes. and then on uh, the other side uh, I'm thinking it's going to probably come down to either Denver mm-hmm. or uh Casey. Okay, my my preseason pick was Denver against San Francisco in the Super yeah, Bowl. So yeah. so great minds clearly. For the <laughs> <market show. laughs> and and you know Crabtree was here on right. the on the podcast in in the uh, off season in the summer. And uh, Chris Brockman's already rolling his eyes. Oh, He's sitting yeah. right there really? in that chair. We're going to bring this up to Jerry to Rice. Jerry freaking Rice. Come on. Yes, I am right in that chair. Uh-huh. Crabtree sitting right there, and he pointed out the fact that Anquan Bolden's now his teammate. Chris Brockman asked Michael Crabtree if he was going to ask to see his Super Bowl ring of Anquan Bolden. And Jerry Rice is laughing. Well, for the wait, record, wait, 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 Stared a hole straight through him, <laughs> and flailed his arms when he left the podcast. And then, and, 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 and after we were go. off yeah, the he air, kept talking. He kept talking out the door at him. Now like, you why, why are you a receiver. Question. You are. I would just. I'm now going to ask the man with perhaps the largest flame that burns within an NFL body oh, in the okay, history he, of the okay, game. Okay, here's if if Crabtree was right to be steaming, or that was a legitimate question from Chris Brockman. You know what? That that was probably more. Uh, that that probably hurt him big time. Mm-hmm. It, it would have did the same thing to me. But that would have motivated you, right, Jerry? <laughs> would it? Yeah. After being beat by the Baltimore Ravens, you needed that guy. extra motivation. <laughs> <laughs> you needed think, that extra motivation. I think it was wrong timing. All right, <laughs> it yes. was wrong timing. Because <laughs> but, not, but there, not a bad there, question. No, but there's a there's a healing uh, process. There's an unconference question. <laughs> an unconference question. There's a healing process. Okay, it's uh, fair. Yeah, Crabtree <laughs> wanted to unconference him <laughs> as he walked out the door. Well, I picked him up on my fantasy team. There you so. go. Okay. Very good. Please go to uh, NFL.com slash Pro Bowl, and then also go to NFL.com slash Pro Bowl slash ballot to go ahead and vote. Uh, and Jerry Rice may uh, or may not listen to your thoughts. And at some point, you know, through the good people of McDonald's as well as involved in this whole shebang, um, you're going to 
interact with some fans and be on the yeah. sideline and co- oh. and be oh, a yes. captain. It's gonna be great. Yes, I'm on. I'm on the sidelines, mm-hmm. and I want to win. That's that's yeah. the bottom line. I love it. And I mean, that's that's it. Winning is everything. So, Dion, you're gonna lose. Jerry you're Rice. Down. Jerry Rice here. I got you, Dion. Just like old times, baby. <laughs> well, mate, never never got to see Jerry play in person until we were in San Diego, and mm-hmm. he caught a 50 yard touchdown bomb from Dan Marino on the USS. That's right on uh, the carrier. I can on still the... do it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> 90 balls, Rich. 90. <laughs> Jerry, thanks for coming Thank on. Thank you, Rich. That is Jerry Rice, the greatest of all time on the Rich Eisen podcast. So I think our takeaways from that are many. Um, you should go ahead and vote for the Pro Bowl because you have a chance to interact with Jerry Rice and Deion Sanders. Yeah, and I think actually uh, they're also a fan is incorporated for each team as well yep. as part of the voting. Like they're going to play? Uh, no, as part of the coaching no, decision. Of... Oh, okay. And, and they'll work with Deion and, and Jerry. Drafting. From, the yeah, nice. drafting. Nice. Lenovo Fantasy Coach of the Year. Cool. And um, uh, another take is that the fire burns still. For Jerry Rice. I mean, some of the things that he said. 90 30, balls. 30,000 30, career yards. He would, his stats would essentially double. I was looking this up. I was looking at some of his uh, current stats. His best yard receiving, Rich. He had 1,848 yards, as we all know. He's saying he could get 3,000 yards in today's NFL. He took it back a little. He went 40% about, he, you know. But still. And that he could well, catch 90 balls. And uh, also... The uh, the crab tree I mean, calf lives on. I can't believe you did me like that in front of the goat. Isn't that great? If he would have said that, <laughs> we, we could have buried this if he would have just said, no, I have no yeah, problem with yeah. it. Because if the goat would have been cool with it, that's it. We'd have buried it. No doubt. He had a problem with he it. He wasn't. No question. He wasn't not. Had cool a chance with it. to end it. And now it lives on. It lives oh, on. Man. It definitely lives on. Maybe if we get Jordan on here one day, you know, <laughs> and Jordan doesn't have a problem with it. We can, we can bury it. As soon as you brought up Michael Crabtree, man. Oh, he 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 brought, he brought it up. It up. Uh, yeah. As soon as I wow, heard that, wow. I, you know, yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. the door open and yeah. I just bashed it. I gotta pull that audio back here, so we have it. We we gotta play that again. Yeah, we have to have that at the ready. Yeah, so good. <laughs> I still stand by that question. His arms flailing was the best. Ugh. I got crushed picking games last week, guys. What happened, uh, Rich? Well, I mean, what happened? I mean, did did anybody in our in our in our Group at all picked the Bears to win in Lambeau Field. Yeah, I didn't see that. Come one on, <laughs> come only, on. Probably only Bears fans. Come on, right? Uh, did anybody choose the Dolphins? Anybody? None of the three of us chose the Dolphins. Uh-uh. I, I did not. There I took, were a lot of. Did I anyone the, choose the Jets? I took the Browns. That was the only one. Should have. I, I mean, yeah. No. Nope. The only yeah, one I got. I the got, I got smoked. And 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 week ten. If you take a look at the games, and let's do that right now. Let's do it all. Oh, I mean, it's all mo- most of them are. You could go either way. I def- I mean, this is a week where separation I mean, Sunday. Be, there could be blood on the floor or high stepping. Yeah, right. You could make, you're a genius. You can make an argument for just about every game. I the mean, Thursday night football game. I you you know who knows? Please, yeah. right? By the way, Christian Ponder might have just won himself back that job full time. I, I guess. I guess, and 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 every single one of these games where you think you know it, where early on in the season when the Broncos are rampaging and and um, uh, Seattle was doing what it what it, it has been doing, you can't sit here and as I said before, you can't sit here and say this team's a surefire Super Bowl pick anymore. The Broncos are seven and one, and John Fox is is out. Seattle, Seattle needed 
extra quarters. 21 nothing to McGlennon. To, to stave off McGlennon. And, and in the last two weeks, Zach Stacy and Mike James have looked like Adrian Peterson. Holy smokes. Now, Zach Stacy did punk Tennessee this past week, too. You had him on your fantasy bench. I had him benched, yeah, because I went Arian Foster. Right. When I heard he was going to go, I'm, 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 I've been Tate, too. But Foster goes. I played him. I played and then him he, he lasted two seconds. Yep. But, you know, wait till this week. Um, it's already in our rundown for Thursday Night Football. I complained about it to no avail. <laughs> How vulnerable are the Seahawks? They're 8-1. Well, how vulnerable are they? I mean, I know they needed to just barely beat the Rams on Monday Night Football. I know that the Bucks are winless and darn near beat the 12th man. And they needed overtime to stave them off. But you are what you are in this league. And every single Super Bowl winning team that goes on uh, uh, the uh, – why am I blanking on it? America, America's Game oh, documentary. America's game, right. Every single Super Bowl winning team that goes on America's Game, every single one of those teams has a story about adversity. And fighting yep. it off, yep. nobody just cruises anymore. Right. You know, so yeah, the, the 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 Seahawks are eight and one though, and they're gonna get Percy Harvin back. And whatever is ailing this offense right now, whether it's a missing Sidney Rice or that explosive player, it's too much beast mode. Maybe I don't know, but whatever is ailing it. They'll get out of it. But you're right. Championship teams always talk about through the course of the year, there's like five or six kind of plays that go their way that kind of change their season. You're seeing it with the Falcons this year. They're not going their way, and they're really struggling. Think about how many times the Seahawks, how many overtime games have they won this year? That's two now, right? Tough games on the road. Yeah. They're, they're eking them out. They're just making things happen and winning games. As Jerry said with the Chiefs, you don't, you don't luck your way to 9-0. They're 8-1. You don't, you don't luck, you don't luck up. But that's coming. You know, how vulnerable are the Seahawks? I'm going to try and change the uh, topic to choose which playoff position team worries you the most. And let somebody choose the Seahawks. Or which top team. I threw that out there. I don't know if I'm going to win that battle. I think Irvin will be taking them this year. Stay tuned to Thursday Night Football to see what happens. (laughs) But that's coming down the pipe. It's already starting. And then you take a look at some of these games, too. Who else are the the content? I mean, the Chiefs, the next two or the three against Denver. We'll see. We'll see, right? The Patriots. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. What's wrong with Tom, right? That's right. Is he is he bogging down the team? Is he the problem? Hundred yards, four touchdowns, one of his best games ever. And to a, send the Steelers to two and, and six. a much needed bye week for them with all the injuries they have. Now the Patriots are sitting at home at seven and two. Seven and two. And Cincinnati's at Baltimore this week, which is one of the games we're about to pick. So, you know, that's going to be of interest to see how to see how Cincinnati bounces back. I mean, talk about Seattle playoff rematch against Atlanta this week. Lions and Bears. Oh my, this weekend. Yep. And then there's one that lurks. It's a late game on Fox. Yeah, I know where you're going. It is the four win in a row Carolina Panthers. Yep. MVP taking on the five candidate? win in a row, <laughs> oh, look at San Francisco 49ers. And your MVP candidate preseason, Cam Newton, let's put it this way, Law. We scoffed. We laughed. <laughs> we did. You bullied. We <laughs> laughed. But as we are sitting here right now, I mean, week number 10. He's in the discussion? No. Not in the discussion. But he's poised to put himself there. Next two games for Carolina at San Francisco, 
home for New England. Got to win them both. If they go ahead and win both of them to go 7 and 3. 7 and 3, which puts them in position for even the division because yeah. they haven't played the Saints yet. Let's not put heart, you know, we got a we got a we got a cart, we got a horse. Let's <laughs> let's let's arrange them properly. <laughs> but Cam Newton if he goes ahead and wins in San Francisco and outduels Tom Brady in week 11. Law. You 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 would be in position here. Lost your Thomas. You I'm know? still I'm still liking, you know, Peyton. Yeah, Manning. you're in pretty good shape. I'd I'm say. still you know what? I'm still liking Tom Brady for MVP. And and why not? We're about to find my and my philosophy, you always choose your MVP with the one standard. Take him off the team. How good is the team? And we'll find out just how valuable Aaron Rodgers is, people. Yep. Take him off the team. What happens to the team? Put Ryan Mallett in there. We'll see what the Patriots are. Man, oh, man. It's a scary thought. Let's pick games. Pick some games. Man, there are some good matchups this week. I never ask you guys Thursday Night Football because I don't want to date the, the, uh, the podcast, but let's do it because that one's way up in the air. And I, I, I'm going to take the Vikings at home. Oh, you know what? I think I was going to do yeah, that, so too. I liked a little bit what I saw last week. I think the uh, the Washington defense has no answer for Adrian Peterson. None. None. Yeah, but play calling in the NFL, <laughs> the way it's I know, been going. I know, you can't guarantee it. Right. Yeah, but Peterson I, looked strong. He I, looked real strong last week, and I think they're going to run him downhill. They're going to run road, him downhill. Road teams always struggle. Yeah, as we as we sit here, I, I not I'm always. The they all, it had had Cincinnati hung on True. last week. That would have been three road victories in a row on Thursday night oh, football. Well, and I correct. looked that up. It had only happened once before. Wow. Okay. So I don't know. I I feel, I feel like this is kind of where Washington was last year when they went on their run to win the division. Yes, but they also started that run from three and six, which is what they would be with a loss. I'm going to take the Redskins. There you go, Law. I'm, I'm just going with you. I'm going with the Vikings on okay. this one, too, at home. Very good. Sound the Gaylor horn. Buffalo at Pittsburgh. This Buffalo w- at Pittsburgh. Try and pick this one. Steelers? Actually, you know what? User consensus. It's 50-50 with the, uh, yeah, with because the online know, community. Do we know EJ? We don't know EJ yet, right? He's been cleared to play. How is he not going to play? He has to, right? Dude, what, are they going to throw yeah. Jeff Toole out there in Heinz Field? You know, Roethlisberger looked pretty good against the Patriots despite the score. They can't stop they anybody. They can't stop anyone. How about that Danny Amendola? Wide, I mean, wide, wide open. Wide open down the middle of the field. Can we just say Gronk is just insane? He's back. It's, it's ridiculous. He's back. He's back. It looks like he's a varsity guy playing with the eighth I'm gonna take. I'm going to take the Steelers. They're, they're tough at home. Yeah, I'm taking the Steelers at home, too. Rich can pick up a game here. No, I'm, 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 I'll, I'll choose another opportunity. <laughs> um, the Jaguars are at the Titans. That's a big game uh, because the Titans four four win that one. They're five and four, and we go to Tennessee next week to kick off Week Eleven. Colts at Titans, Ooh. which is essentially for the AFC South. Man, Chris Johnson looked great. Looked back. Looked, looked good. On his first Why touchdown run, Sean Green inside the I red know, zone. It's though? killing me. Did, did you guys see his first <laughs> touchdown run? Because you could see he got through the hole uncontacted, and he almost was shocked 
Uncontacted. Is that unconference? Unconference and uncontacted. Uncontacted. Nice. I like it. I misremembered what no, I was going to No, uncontacted. No, I like it. Roger good. Clemens. Uncontacted. But yeah, Sean Green's killing me. He, he uh, vultured a couple on the goal line. Rams at Colts. At Rams, defense can go hunt, man. And the Rams, the last two weeks, they could easily be five and four right now instead of three and six. If they had called the right play against Seattle yep. and had they just been able to just one, get something one done, stop, yeah. get something done through the air. Wow, that, that's but 90. Zach Stacy is a real deal guy. 95%. And here he comes downhill against Tennessee. I, I, I like Zach Stacy, by the way. So I'm taking the Colts, though. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, but they're backup home. quarterback. They're home and. T.Y. T. Hilton looks like he'll be able to fill that Reggie Wayne role. I no, defy I you to go ahead. I'm defying a lot of people these days. <laughs> Raiders, Giants, you go pick that one. Go ahead. G-Man. Yeah, the G-Man role, I think. Role. Role. I'll go with you. Seahawks, Falcons, is there any, any – there's no difference in result, correct? I don't think so, no. I'm going with the Seahawks in that one, too. Me, too. Bengals, Ravens. Bengals, Ravens. The Ravens – are three and five. God, the they, defending Super Bowl champs are three and five. That offense looks brutal. Last they can't week, run the ball. Can't run. Ray Race looks. You, you know, know who looks good is Marlon Brown, though. But that's about it. Get him the ball. It, it, and, and Flacco's just. He looks like in a fog. He's in the Flacco fog that we've seen every now and then. He's in a then. food coma from those mighty wings. <laughs> but the Bengals are. are Empty up the middle. No Geno Atkins. Mal Luga's gone behind him. Hall's out, right? Hall's out for the season. season. Home game, that's a we'll really... Find t- out, we'll find out if Giovanni Bernard is, is going to play. I don't know. Yeah, that's Because of the rib injury. Marvin Lewis heading back to Baltimore. That's a tough place to play, man. I'm I, taking the Ravens. I, I, I can't pick against the Ravens. I'm taking the Ravens, guys. I think Andy Dalton gets back on track. All right. All right, well... I like it. Lions Bears five and three against five and three. Lions coming off a bye week. We all know what they did to Chicago in Detroit. It's a huge game. The Bears must win this. Otherwise the Lions otherwise the Lions sweep the season series from Chicago, which would be a monster achievement for this team, what with Aaron Rodgers' future for the two thousand thirteen season completely up in the air. For the Lions to go ahead, win on the road, sweep the season series from the Bears would be monstrous. I'm taking the Bears. Law? I'm taking the Lions. I like the Lions in this one. I'm going Honolulu Blue as well. I like the Lions. I think that they are they're they're gonna win that game up front. That's what I'm gonna do. You like the Lions? I do like the Lions. I might go Bears with Brockman then. Okay, just for fun. If you want to do that. I'm going to stick with the Lions. I, okay. like, I like your call there. Packers-Eagles. Who starts this game, right? I don't know who starts this game for either team, right? For either team. I mean, you got to start Foles. I think Foles has got to be the guy going forward, right, Law? How do you not? Notice Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible that he, he, he was the understudy in the win against the Giants? <laughs> then he beats Tampa. Right. And everyone's like, well, is there a quarterback controversy? And then he looked so horrible against the, the Cowboys. <laughs> he was concussed. They ran right back to Vic as soon as oh. humanly possible, too soon. So Foles, by default, gets the start in Oakland, and he throws seven touchdown passes. Insane. And now we're sitting here thinking, he's got to be the guy, right? 
You know who is Could it be Foles versus Seneca Wallace? Could it be Foles versus Matt Flynn? How much do you in think this game? I mean, go figure. That much. Right. This is just absolutely insane. So no, I'm, we're not picking that right now. I have no I, idea who it. to pick. I have, I have no, no idea. clue who to I'm pick. I'm not choosing that one right fly, now. Fly, Eagles, fly. So you you taking the Eagles? I, I'm taking the Birds. If if Rodgers is back, I'm taking the Packers, which he's not. There's no be. way Rodgers. He's not so back. I, it's either going to be. Can't imagine. It's either going to be Seneca Wallace or maybe Matt Flynn. Carolina at San Francisco. I just think uh, the Niners are coming off of a bye. And they're home. I want to take the Panthers. I still so want to take the Panthers too. Oh. <laughs> I, I can't do it. Cross country trip. Niners off of a bye. It's a four oh five game. Can't do it. Law. I, I can't do back it. Back your MVP play. I can't do it. I think I'm doubling down here, boys. Good I'm for gonna, you. I want to take the Panthers. Good. Yeah, I'm, good I'm, job. Excellent. I'm taking the Niners. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. I just baited. You totally just baited me into that one. Uh, are you going to back Case Keenum? How about the Texans at the Cardinals? I How, think I don't know. Figure that one. I'm taking Case Keenum. I'm riding Case Keenum. Me too. Man. I'm going to pick him up in fantasy. That guy is just fun. I've got Rogers in 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 the uh, Garland League. Well, I got Matty Ice, and he's just. Oh, by the way, yes. As we discussed last night, we were watching the game. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan, since he dissed the Matrol. Two weeks ago, has thrown how many? One touchdown to seven interceptions. I'm not saying, Rich. What are you saying? I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm Let not it saying. It. I'm not saying anything. Let it be known. Just, I'm just throwing out there. That's what the record shows. I'm not saying anything. But I'm going Case Keenum. Me too. Uh, who I might just pick up in the Garland. Uh, I'm doing it. I'm going to go Cardinals. I'm going to. I'm going to. Well, I was trying. To, I was trying to get some games. Back. Get some games here. Broncos Chargers. <laughs> Uh, next. Right? next. What do you mean next? Next. I mean, what do you mean? Someone's taking the Chargers here? I'm not. But, I, I mean, this could go either way. What? This is the first of the two matchups between the two teams. Uh, the second one in Denver wraps up Thursday night football week 15. That's how Thursday night football season. I, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. You I think the Broncos might go throwbacks here too, though. They tend to do that when they play in San Diego. With the jerseys? If that's the case. If they go with those brown ones, no, I'm, I'm going Broncos. Cowboys, Saints. Anybody? Like I stated last week, I can't go against the Saints in the dome. I can't do it. Yeah, I, when I gotta, they were thirteen and zero, can't do it. I got to think that Rob Ryan learned when a they few were thirteen and zero. They lost in that dome, man. Rich, you've, you've picked against our guest a few weeks in a row, I think. Uh, although you did take the Packers this past week with Jordy Nelson. But I don't had, think. We had Big Ben on. I think you went against. What are you doing here with Witten? Uh, I'm going against him. You're going against him? Yeah, I don't think Marshall would speak to me on Saturday if I picked no, against the Saints. I'm going, you're going to take the Cowboys? I'm going to take Saints. No, I'm, okay. I'm going to take the Saints. And lastly, we're picking it. <laughs> I am going Tampa Bay. You're going to take McLennan? 100%. Oh, wow. 100%. I didn't see that coming. Monday Night Football, Saps jersey goes up, place is sold out. It's time for McLennan to get his first career win. Oh, wow. And the Dolphins are coming in <laughs> with everybody wondering what in the heck's going on in that locker room. I take Tampa. Mm. Anybody joining me? Who's coming with me? Who's coming with Party me? Party for one, Rich. I'm on the Dolphins, I'm I think. Co- I'm coming with you. Oh, yes. Brockman's Ma- McLennan. Dude, it's happening. McLennan. It's happening. I let Sap influence me two weeks ago. Not happening this week. I'm taking the Dolphins. Fun show, guys. Great stuff. So great, much to talk Great about. stuff.
So um, much to talk about. Does this guy got a uh, a shout out? I do. I'm looking it up uh, as he's holding. I guess we I, have no guests I got, set for next week, do we? Uh, next week we we do. Um, look, I gotta look at the calendar. Pretty sure we do. We do. Um, I forget. I gotta double check. Some things in the works for next week. By the way, our I mean it's not ready to be announced yet, but we're 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 on the one yard line for a monster holiday special. Monster. A monster holiday special to air Christmas Eve on NFL Network. Actually switched to Christmas Day, I believe. Oh, but it's right? going to re-air a few times as well. And you'll want to see it for sure. Okay. Great. Um, but uh, when do we when do we confirm that one? Probably next week, hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully next week. Let's just say... Let's just say. No, let's just, we'll just leave it. Oh, he was just pausing. Just leave it. Wow. Just leave it. In the meantime, while we're tap dancing, uh, puntersarepeople2.com, kickers are people too, is out there now. Go there. By the way, you see McAfee, when that kick got blocked, I thought that his leg, how he didn't get hurt. I know. Isn't unreal. that amazing? Uh, free agent, that uh, app out there for all those who are seeking out um, like minded fans. Go to iTunes. When you download this show on iTunes, go uh, download that app as well. Check it out. Free agent. We're going to go north of the border for a uh, international shout-out this Very week. Good. Brandon Roney at B-R-O-N-E-Y 2. He says, how about an international shout-out for a Canadian who lives in countries in Europe and Vietnam and Thailand when he travels? Booyah. Hashtag R-E-P. Booyah. Thanks, Brandon. Nice. At Chris Law, well done. Thank you, Rich. At Fun Chris times Brockman. as always. At Chris Brockman. Can't wait. Great I show. At Rich Eisen. Uh, thanks to Jerry Rice. Thank you. Tracy Perlman bringing him in. Yes, of the National Football League. Uh, Thanks to Jerry Rice. Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz on this program. Thanks to Warren Sapp for helping book that one. Yeah, and his assistant Cheryl was helpful as well. And Jason Witten of the Dallas Cowboys. I am at Rich Eisen for At the Eisen Podcast. Peace out. Be safe in week 10, everybody. Hello. Me, Cookie Monster. Yeah, me always listen to the Rich Eisen Podcast. It's me favorite podcast. Yeah, me listen on NFL.com. Oh, and it's also on iTunes, just in case you not know that. Oh, me going to go listen right now. And for all of us here at the Medill School of Journalism, thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Stay listening, dear friends.